In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I call your attention to the words of our text, St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 6, verses 11 through 13. Paul writes, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us but you are restricted in your own affection. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. This is our text. Ebenezer Scrooge, in Dickens' famous Christmas Carol, was a man with a narrow heart. He only loved that which gratified him, and the only thing that gratified him was money. The three ghosts of Christmas showed him things and people from his past, his present, and his future to widen his heart and help him to care about those around him. Instead of narrow-hearted, he became what we call great-hearted, caring for his extended family, employees, even strangers around him. It is as if Dickens had written a story to illustrate our text. For St. Paul pleads with the Corinthians to widen their hearts, literally to be enlarged, to care for others beyond themselves. You and I need to be enlarged. May God the Holy Spirit lead us by his word to widen our hearts as we meditate on the difference between wide and narrow hearts. The narrow heart only cares about what gratifies itself. We love those who love us. We love in return for love. It is natural. Even the pagans do this. As our Lord Jesus observes, there is nothing particularly virtuous in loving those who love you. But notice what often happens. Our love for others often leads to the expectation that their enemies will be our enemies. Our loyalty or identification with others may lead us to hate their enemies. And so this natural love itself becomes the reason for divisions among us, estrangement, strife, and conflict. Natural love only gets you so far. And let's acknowledge that there are those who are unnatural, those who don't love those who love them. There are many reasons for this. Some are blind to those who love them, like a fish unaware of water. And so we tend to take those who love us for granted. One of the tasks of parents is to point this out to their youngsters. There are some who use a strategy or are conditioned to return evil for love. Like the alcoholic or other addict who takes family for granted and uses them to serve his addiction. 
I hope none of you have ever grown up in a family like that, but typically the addict is very friendly and nice to outsiders. They think he's a great guy. While he uses and abuses those inside the family and he creates a great wall of distrust of outsiders so that those in the family will be dependent on him. Another kind of person who returns evil for love is that child who's never satisfied because he's only attended to when complaining. You know, we teach our kids to do that when we neglect them and only give them what they need when they complain or cry or are unhappy. We condition them to return evil for love because we give them love for evil. And then there is the person who resents those who help him, angry at his own weakness or his own need, and so he has dependence, resentment, as we say, and returns evil to those who have helped him out in various situations. Yes, there are those who don't even have natural love in their lives. You see, we love those who gratify us. And when I wrote that line down, the first thought that came into my mind was puppies. Puppies gratify us. That's why we all love them. They're cute and helpless and they respond to our attentions. So we love puppies because they gratify us. In a similar way, subordinates who make us feel competent gratify us. That's one of the rewards of teaching when you're a good teacher and the kids look up to you and you can help them and they're grateful because you make sure they're grateful. You won't hear it put quite so bluntly that way, but that's one of the joys of teaching. People who look up to you and make you feel competent because you can do and show them how to do things. Many jobs have that kind of reward. We love admirers. Admirers gratify us. There's many a performer or celebrity who would do much more for an audience than for his family. Because the admirers are more gratifying. You know, in the same way, there are people who will buy you dinner even though they owe money to other people because if they buy you dinner, you will thank them and think they're a great guy. Whereas if you pay the people you owe, well, they're going to ask you why you didn't pay sooner. So we, we love the people who admire us, who gratify us. Now all kinds of these narrow-hearted people can find religion. The fear of hell, the experience of guilt can drive the self-lover into church to save his own skin. And it's no compliment to God that we say, if I have to choose between hell and you, God, I'll take you. God is so gracious and condescending, He accepts us even under these insulting conditions. Yes, God accepts the self-serving sinner seeking to save his own skin, but God doesn't leave him there. And by the same token, it sounds better, but it's not really different. The desire of heaven and all of its gratification can lead many of us into worship. But the lack of concern for other believers 
and indifference toward the lost betray their narrow-heartedness. Even apostolic congregations had this problem. Even the Corinthians whom St. Paul addressed in our text struggled with this issue of narrow-heartedness. And if truth be told, you and I struggle with this issue. That's why St. Paul's appeal applies to us no less than to these Corinthians. For you and I love God for all the wrong reasons. You and I are narrow-hearted as we look out at the world today, thinking that we love simply because we're gratified. Pray for me, friends, that the love of God may widen my heart, that I may love as God loves. For wide hearts love widely, a widened heart loves strangers like the good Samaritan who saw his neighbor's need and helped him. So often we think of love as, you know, someone being your best friend. But there's an appropriate love to every situation in every relationship. And the good Samaritan saw his neighbor's need and helped him with it. Just as others see our need and help us. I remember many Decades back, policeman saw my need. He saw that I was 15 miles over the speed limit, and that was unsafe, and so he pulled me over. It was hard to say thank you for helping me with my need, but so each of us has a responsibility, an obligation to see our neighbor's need and help him or her. Wide hearts love widely. Wide hearts love even enemies, those who persecute or oppose us. To love such people despite our own pain and fear is surely the gift of God, the power of God in our lives. And when we stop to love an enemy, when we stop to care about what an enemy is thinking, feeling, going through, there's often an unanticipated blessing there. When we stop to care about our enemy, somehow his or her words and actions don't seem quite so powerful or threatening. In fact, when we stop to care about an enemy, we sometimes see aspects of the fight and avenues of peacemaking we didn't see before. So loving an enemy often brings unanticipated blessings from God. And widened hearts love their family. Not because our families bring us joy, which they surely do, but because we have a unique responsibility and opportunity in the lives of our families. You know, lots of people wished your father a happy Father's Day, but it meant something different when it came from you. Because you have a unique relationship and a unique opportunity to bring blessing to the lives of people around you, your families, and this pertains in a similar way to people on the job. People who depend on you. You have a unique opportunity to be a blessing to them. 
My father gave me an insight as to family love, particularly married love. When I was a young teenager, he remarked to me once, Ah, you think you're in love when you marry, but that's not love. And I asked him to explain. And he said, well, when you've built a home together and you've suffered ups and downs together, when you've had children together and sickness together, then you know that's love. My father was talking about the committed love in marriage, about the sacrificial love of which Christ is our model. For Christ is our model for the wide heart that loves all. Roman Catholic tradition has the picture of the sacred heart. The heart of Christ which is so wide it loves the lost as well as the saved. It loves those who reject Him as well as those who love Him. He cared enough in fact to die for you while we were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. And it's Christ in his wide open heart who speaks through his apostle Paul to urge us all to widen our hearts. Now God's word does what it says. And therefore God's word gives what it demands. If God has commanded us to widen our hearts, he has given us that power. Not that we claim it for ourselves, but we give glory to Him who opens our hearts through the gospel of Christ, that we might receive the love of God and not keep that love to ourselves, but spread it to others, apply it to those in our lives, in our community, in our world. So pray, command, O Lord, for you give what you command. Use the power of God to widen your hearts that you may trust in God's promises and care for others. The power of God is in your heart because you believe the gospel, but there are other things in there, the things Paul says. Notice what Paul says. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us but you are restricted by your own affections. So is the case for us as well. Our own affections for other things interfere with the love of God. So by the power of God, set those other affections aside that you may with wide open hearts love those around you, show mercy to strangers, and support God's mission to reach the lost. And that peace of God that surpasses our understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.